Hello, welcome to the Rugs on Podcast. We have got Johnny Bunyan today. Johnny, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Grant. Cheers. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Can't complain. Um, so, planning for this, Johnny, just want to run through loads of questions about your Rocks career so far, uh, kind of maybe going through season by season, some of your top highlights of them, some of the top players you've got to play with and learn from, etc. So, I've got it, you're now, or uh, got it now, is you're the most consecutive years played for the Rocks. Yeah, I think so. I think G's got me on total seasons, but consecutive, uh, there's no catching me. (laughs) I know you're what second oldest in the team this year at the big big old age of 28. I know, eh, 28. Who would have thought it? So first, kind of main question. Obviously, basketball has been a massive imprint in your life with your family and stuff being connected with Falkirk and obviously the Rocks. Uh, How was it when you were younger, seeing like Keith play for the Rocks and? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that's served as the main inspiration was Keith. Uh, obviously, my dad as well coaching me, um, taking care of a lot of the the early years of of learning how to play basketball and kind of getting into like this rhythm of training and practicing and what to what the right things were to practice and uh, yeah, like going through to watch the rocks at Meadowbank when Keith started playing was a. Uh, you know, they're luckily they're days I still remember just now. Uh, I mainly remember them for the chippy that we used to get on the way home uh, on the Sunday, which was pretty good. Um, but yeah, then we Keith moved through to Glasgow with the team and um, Brayhead, and that was probably you know even better because uh, they have the memories of them winning the playoff championships in 2003 and all the players. From back then, obviously, I think Ted Berry playing back then. I was watching him as like a eight, nine year old or something like that. So watching him play was always spectacular. Um, other guys like Ryan Huntley, Sean Myers, like uh, yeah. So the, the young years were where basketball filled and the Rocks had a, a big, big hand to play in that as well. And I suppose Sean Myers is probably the one, one of the few players you've played against that he's played against as well. Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't believe it when I he, I played against him when he was playing for Cheshire, and I said, yeah. I said, gee, is that the Sean Myers that played for the Rocks? He said, I was like, oh, that is something that that's really crazy to me. He's probably still playing somewhere. I hope he is because he was a great player. I actually watched the playoff championship game the other day. Yeah, a great player. Yeah, that Rocks team. I hear stories that they probably didn't get on that well together, but they came together and played a pretty good finals weekend, I suppose. Well, they had a great finals weekend, yeah. I suppose, understatement. So, as Johnny Bunyan, the player, how would you describe yourself? How's your, what would you, if someone would say, oh, how do you play? What would you say your style of play is? Uh, I think over the years, the things that have been kind of consistent is, uh, you know, trying to be smart, make the right pass at the right time, not, you know, selfish, uh, you know, hopefully making some threes, shooting the ball well, space the floor. Um, as I've as I've grown up with the Rocks, I think I've taken on a bit more of a, a leadership role, kind of being vocal with everyone, keeping everyone together. Um, you know, maybe not the best one-on-one defender by any means. Uh, happy to admit that, but certainly knowing rotations on defense and where people should be and how to how to move into certain spots defensively, uh, I think keeps me on the court sometimes. Uh, but yeah, certainly if you're talking about attacking smart guy who makes the right pass and, and usually you can't leave him open on the three-point line. So, first part of this, obviously, it's your 10th season. Uh, how did season one come about uh, and what was it like 
coming through and playing with some like top BBL vets. Obviously, Sterl was coach, EJ was on the team. Uh, but that first season, you also uh, had Michael Green, Andrew Wedemeyer, Danny Huffer and DeAndre Cranston. Yeah, well, I mean, the first season was uh, basically I, I was either going to go to America and play for a, a Division Three school uh, start and start kind of like a, a university-like uh, life over there. Probably would have been four years or something like that. Or come home and play for the Rocks. And at the time, you know, I just wanted to I wanted to be home, if I'm honest with you. I wanted to be home and kind of start playing and see what I could do in, in the BBL. So that's how it started. Um, thankfully, Sterling kind of knew of you know, Fury and my family, etc. So got to the open trial and, and made it through there. So was kind of thrown into the season straight away, which is what I wanted to do. Um, and then I think my first season with, with EJ and I would say Gareth helped a lot uh, in terms of teaching me how to be a kind of professional player. Um, and Sterling was a huge influence over me. Like um, he really kind of, helped me grow into the league like you need to play hard and practice every day you know you need to try and you know be competitive every day if you want to get better uh, but Sterling was also great because he he gave me minutes in my first year you know didn't really expect to play and even though there was a, a few games where I didn't he definitely if I showed I could play well in a game he was he wasn't hesitant to put me in which was great um, and EJ was a, was a great guy. Michael Green was was probably the best player on the team at the time. So it was it was about as good a first season as I could have asked for, I think. Yeah, because I, I went when I was researching for this, I went back and you played quite a lot of minutes in your first year, maybe compared to your second and third. Uh, I get I think I remember rightly that season was quite a lot of injuries. Um, and I think EJ had his kind of one of his first major ones. But uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those ones where you could see you kind of broke through. I think you averaged over ten minutes a night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, EJ was injured a few times, um, and I think that was also maybe the season that I think EJ's dad had passed away, mm. uh, and Sterling, Sterling wanted them to get home, you know, to kind of say goodbye to him properly. So that opened up the door for a few minutes as well. So, oh, I can still pinpoint, you know, a game or two in that first season. I look back and I think, you know, that was that was a good performance from a nineteen-year-old, you know. Definitely. So moving on to that, I think that goes uh, first year into the Emirates. Uh, had a, I think we finished third in the league and lost to the Raiders in the playoff. Uh, yeah. Home and away. Uh, when I did my podcast with G, he chose uh, Donald Robin, Robinson as one of his the best players he's played with. Why did you think he was so good? He was just Donald was just a bit of everything. Like he was, he could shoot the ball. He had a, a really nice looking jump shot, three pointers, two pointers, but he could go full speed, kind of like Russell Westbrook, pull up mid range style. And then obviously he was so explosive, like just dunking anything in the fast break, tough finishes going to the basket. He was pretty fearless. Um, and, you know, he could use that athleticism on the defensive end as well if he put his mind to it. So it just seemed like Donald was, was you couldn't stop him. On, on the right night, he was going to be very difficult to stop. Um, and he proved it kind of again and again and proved it later on in Plymouth as well. Um, so... Uh, he was a great player. Um, certainly, just explosive was, was was the best word to describe him. One I, I somehow came up on YouTube on me the other day was his uh, hoops fix highlight dunk that happened. I think it was against Cheshire, and it just he just exploded from what felt like miles away from the. Hoop and, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I can't guard anyone just now, but even at twenty years old, I was like, <laughs> I'm never guarding Donald Robinson. Uh, no, he was he was good, and obviously EJ was still there, keeping everything, keeping everyone right. So yeah. Uh, 
Uh, after that season, uh, 13 into the 13 14 season, probably, uh, well, currently the Rocks' worst season on record, finishing 10th. Uh, that team had started the season, Chez Marks, Fran Early, Daniel Northern. So, why, in your opinion, did that season kind of go wrong? It's just a lot of a lot of upheaval. Like it didn't get off to a great start. I think we actually had a, no one will probably remember us. We actually had a guy come in for one day and leave the day after. Uh, I'm sure that was that season. Maybe maybe well, I can't remember maybe it was, but it was like a Croatian or a Serbian guy who just ah, walked yeah, in. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Came and, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then the next day he left, and that was it. Uh, so yeah, we had a tough start to the season, losing games, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a good, a well put together team. You know, EJ was really kind of on his last legs. Um, we'd got Alex, and and Alex was actually you know the only reason that we had any kind of success. I think Alex Marcula because he managed to kind of play the one and the two for a while, um, but we we weren't really. We weren't defensively solid that season, even though we had Daniel. Uh, you know, he wasn't the player that he was in Milton Keynes, um, kind of what we'd wanted him to be. He, for some reason, he wasn't that guy. Uh, so yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a good season. And, and you know, like you say, that was the worst season at the time. Hopefully, we don't get there too much. But uh, you know, it's tough to to stop us going that way just now. Yeah, but that season, I suppose you had to might him. Minor success, reaching the trophy final, um, playing that home for the first time, and for you personally, you averaged, averaged over fifty minutes a game. So, yeah, I mean that would, I think that was the season. Uh, that was the season that Sterling kind of, after that, said to me, "Look, you know, this is you're going to be the player uh, backup now. Uh, I'm not bringing anyone else in. Uh, you're going to be the backup." And um, like you said, the trophy final actually. We know that was in all the finals we've made. I think I've made four. That was the closest we've got for sure. Uh, so even in the worst, the worst season, again, I've all these things on YouTube during lockdown. I watched them all. I watched the trophy final like two weeks ago, <laughs> and uh, you know, I make a couple of shots. We're up by ten at the end of the first quarter, and we're almost there. Uh, but it just didn't happen. Was that the team as well that Chris Johnson came in towards the end as well? As a yeah, we had yeah we had Chris at the end yeah and Chris actually you know he was he was able to score as well um, but by that time things were just yeah. it's so hectic you know players were in different positions and guys coming back from injury it was a it was a rough rough season yeah I think that was also the the semi final for the trophy for the trophy was the one where you had uh, Devin Bailey's uh, brother or someone get on the court oh is that that, that season that, I, yeah. I don't remember. I, I couldn't have told you it was that season, but I certainly remember all the antics and. Uh, uh, it was a, I mean, I wasn't involved. In it. I'm not. I'm not involved in these things. I'm not going to make much impact, but uh, I've known that I'm not scared to shout stuff. Maybe not actually make any actions. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. So moving on from that season onto the 14-15 season, another final appearance. Uh, I think it was a cup final in Birmingham. It was the year Taylor was in town. Uh, it was also the first season that Kieran. Played the full season as a rock, and you averaged over forty-two percent from three. Uh, what difference did it kind of make having someone like Kieran about for like a full season? Uh, I think more than anything, it, it's kind of like a steady hand. Um, you know, a lot of the times you look at you look to a, a kind of point guard, or you know, kind of kind of a guard on the court to calm things down. But Kieran could do that from the 
from the centre position. Yeah. You know, he could kind of command the ball at the top of the key and make a good play, whether that's, you know, hitting a big shot or making the right pass to someone at the right time. Like, or, de- or defensively, to be honest, Kieran had a good defensive presence. So I think he, he managed to give us an extra kind of calm in hand, a bit of reassurance, um, but from a different spot on the floor that not many teams could. Was that also the season where it was it was Joanne Smith, wasn't it? It was the point guard and then yeah, Reggie Infamous, infamous Joanne Smith. <laughs> uh, he was a bit of a character, um, to say the least. A cool character. <laughs> and then he was replaced Reggie Milton halfway through, wasn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. It was two... <laughs> they were great guys. Like I'm not going to lie to you, but they were... Uh... God, they had their days where you just didn't know what was going to happen next. Uh, so you always need a point guard like that, I suppose, a bit of character mm-hmm. and someone a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. And that was also another season. Um, Tail played the three. What was it like, Tail being on the team? Uh, someone different to kind of, obviously, G, and obviously Tail still playing pretty well at Surrey. Yeah, Tail was a... I'm actually so surprised at how good a guy Tail was. I played against him a few years ago down in England, and... Uh, he, he was just a real calm, chill guy and we had a lot of uh, similar interests. You know, he liked getting shoes, you know, he liked watching other leagues and all that stuff. So me and Teo, we had a real good kind of uh, friendship for a while. Andy was, at that time, he was even more athletic than what he is now. Uh, you know, he was a great guy to have at practice. He got on really well with uh, Stel, which was great as well. So they kind of bonded. So yeah, a bit... A much different player to G, you know, in terms of that three position. But uh, it's, it's a great guy, and I still speak to Tail uh, whenever I get to see him, yeah. He's the, probably the definition of someone that comes back to haunt us continuously, play has a great night against us. Yeah, he he, he likes the Emirates, that's for sure. He likes yeah. the Emirates. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he played so well that a uh, couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think, and he always, he, that's what happens. These guys get a wee chip on their shoulder and they want to, uh, they want to prove that they can still perform well, you know, and uh, and yeah, Theo's a good example of that for sure. Yeah. So onto that next season, fifteen sixteen. Um, I always say that is like the magic season. Yeah. Um, it's also the season that Marcus Ware came, changed agents, decided to leave the hung uh, to go leave the Hungary, and he's never played again pro. Kind of sums him up, I suppose. Um, memorable for me uh, because it was the season where uh, not only did I work in the office because. Mm-hmm. But uh, we went away, road trip Leicester, London, and practically won both. Um, yeah, yeah. On you go. No, that was that weekend is is sticks in your head so well. Like we have what seven players or something like that. Um, myself, Riley, Will Hall, uh, even Adam. Adams having to start, and like you know, we those two wins. Are, I still remember those two wins. Uh, buzzer beater London, and then managing to be the first team that beat Leicester in their new. Their new court, yeah, that is for me. It's the Will Hall season because that's my that's one of the, the greatest guys I've yeah, ever met in the, in these ten years. That's the greatest guy, Will Hall. Yeah, he was he was a great guy to talk to. He's one of probably the smartest people I've ever seen in a Rocks jersey. Definitely, like smart on the court, off the court, uh, but also also the biggest goofy guy ever. Like off the court, just yeah. so such a goofball, but funny. <laughs> That was the season you probably had your biggest role in the team. You over averaged over 20 minutes playing beside kind of Grebo and Gillis. Um, you averaged over eight points a game to assist, shooting over 40% of the field. So, again, great season for you. Yeah, no, again, that's uh, one of my favourite seasons because 
you know, we only really had, in terms of kind of one-on-one basketball, we had Warren and that was it. So we knew that he was going to be the guy breaking down his guy one-on-one and everyone else on the team understood that the only way we're going to be successful is if we move the ball to each other. Um, and uh, as much as people could, you know, say what they like about, you know, Armin or whatever, he was very smart at making the right pass. And so was Riley. Like, we all knew how to make the next pass, you know. Will Will's another perfect example of that. And that's why, you know, I, I would say it every year I'm not a one-on-one player. So if I'm going to get open and make shots, it has to be from other guys or it has to be as a team. So I think that's why... I had a lot of success that year is because we knew how to move the ball to each other really well. Definitely. And I suppose you had two guys in Riley and Warren who played at uh, championship skills, weren't they? So really mm-hmm. kind of knowledgeable programmes. It was actually a good team to watch as well. Um, yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun that year. Like, I mean, I think we were fifth fifth again or something. Just, a, you know, just a kind of standard rock season, if you like. But um, we, I, to me, we did it with, you know, players again that weren't really expected to be you know, that's successful. But that was one of the funnest seasons I think I've played for sure. Yeah, definitely. You can tell that. So on to the next season. Uh, I think this is one of the next seasons, one of the most best teams on paper, 16-17. You had Lesko, Neil Watson, uh, G was back, Lewis Thomas, Anthony Leachy, Kieran, uh, yourself, and then Boris Matrikov as well. So, yeah, how would you sum up that season if you remember much of it? Oh, I remember all the seasons. I remember them all. Um, for me, that season, you know, I, I wasn't happy with myself that season because I felt like Sterling had really given me a good role in what was a good team. Like you said, it, it wasn't just like there was a couple guys and then we'll throw in Johnny off the bench. There was good guys on that team who were playing and uh, he still he still gave me minutes and, you know, I just couldn't get sh- shots to fall that season and for some reason or the other. Uh, I wasn't shooting well. I was annoyed at myself. But in terms of the, the team as a whole, like you say, a great depth. Um, we had a real, real leader in Neil, uh, a, a scorer, slasher in Hayden, Gareth, Keir. Like there were so many weapons on that team. Um, and this, that's the kind of team that, you know, if, if it had stuck together, uh, maybe it could have been even better in the future, you know? Yeah, because what you look at what Hayden's gone on to achieve. Um, yeah. MVP in two different top leagues in I think North Macedonia yeah. and Austria. He's now he's just signed in Bosnia. Uh, he's someone I've tried to get on this, and he said he'd be up for it. Uh, but then he then went and signed in Bosnia, and I've, he's now blanking me. So if he's listening, right. I know. Hayden's Hayden's a great guy. He uh, he's a great guy. He does like he does like a, a, the nightlife uh, and the, and the life of the girls around him. That's for sure. But Hay, Hayden's a great guy. I'm sure I'm sure he'll get on there eventually. Traveling all around Europe just for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But he'll be—he's—he's—he's he's, he's a great guy and he's a good player. Um, yeah, Hayden's a good dude. Yeah, so that was that season finished a third third place finished, uh, and uh, I think it was a cup final defeat as well. Um, and yeah, it was a great team. Lewis Thomas as well was a good core player. Yeah, so when you look back just at that, another, team, you think just another cup be, final, just another cup final lost to Newcastle. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So to the next season, uh, yeah, massive changes in the rocks, change of ownership. Sterl also kind of is back. You touched on it earlier. What would be your kind of thing, most uh, thing you've learned from Sterl and what he kind of helped you in your career? Sterl and definitely taught me, um, I would say it was kind of like responsibility um, and kind of like 
what's that word? Just kind of overall maturity, I think, you know. Sterling really helped me out with with learning how to be a, a basketball player at the next level almost, you know. Just in terms of, you know, your responsibilities to community work, to training, to the guys in the team. And then he really let me, he really let me have a voice in the team towards his, you know, kind of last couple of seasons, uh, which I appreciated a lot. And uh, he always treated me um, more than fair in terms of court time and off the court as well. So, yeah, I would just say Sterling helped me really understand maturing, um, not only as a, a basketball player, but as a person. Hopefully, I'm going to get on this soon as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So, hopefully, your positive work <laughs> will bring them to me. I hope so, yeah. So, uh, that season, obviously, coach change and Tony Garbaletto comes in. Um, he's then replaced around about the turn of the year by Darrow. And across that season, I think it's 22 players were used. What was that season just kind of like? Obviously, well, let's don't mention Commonwealth Games yet. We'll touch on that in a minute. Uh, chaos. But I mean, this is, that's every, every, almost every season at the Rocks. And, and the, the crazy thing is, as much as I will say that every year there's two or three crazy things that happen, there's other teams that are worse than us, you know, for sure. And, that, and that's only from the outside looking in. Who knows what's actually happening behind closed doors, you know? That's why the BBL team documentary Netflix special is <laughs> in my future. Um, but uh, no, that was a chaotic season. Um, First of all, the kind of process of getting a coach in. We had a couple of like interviews or something. Not that I was overly involved in it, but uh, I kind of knew who, what was going on. Um, and yeah, Tony coming in and a lot of respect, background respect for him, you know, in terms of what he'd done in the league and everything, especially. It was kind of before I was playing, though. You know, I didn't really know much, but Gareth knew a lot about him. Kieran, Kieran knew a lot about him. And yeah. Uh, Again, say what you a lot of people will have their opinions on Tony. I love him. Like I absolutely love him. He was a, an old school coach, kind of like kind of like my dad, um, who is, you know, they will get you to the point where you would just run through a brick wall if they said to do it, you know, because he's motivating, he's encouraging, um, and he just wants what's best for the team. You know, whether that's the, the right way to go about things, a lot of the time, you know, he wants what's best for the team and he's trying to get the best out of you. And I, I think I appreciate that because I've kind of had a, the old school coaches for a lot of my time. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose that's even the same. It's a uh, whatever, chaos if you're best. Rocks were also lucky. Had, uh, I think it was Dante Holmes injured in a warm up or a pre season game. The guy, is it Mikey Thompson who injured himself trying to dunk in a warm up? Yeah. What was that? Was that what? That was that was the Tony season. Hi. That was the Tony season. Uh, got we cut uh, Martez, mm -hmm. um, even though he'd won us like two games <laughs> uh, by himself. He stole, he stole the ball. I think I remember the Cheshire game. He stole the ball at half court and filled yeah, up here or something for a win. Like it was like he he made two crazy plays to win us the Cheshire game away, and then uh, half it was a half time game against Surrey and. Uh, the guy Tony Hicks was killing us in the first half. And um, Tony just looked at Martez and said, you need to, oh, that's mother. Like you is a one-on-one -on -one challenge with you and this guy. And I can't remember what school Martez went to, but he's like, I think Tony Hicks went to Louisville. It's like, it's Louisville versus whoever. And then Martez just like transformed into this <laughs> demon in Monster. the second half. Monster and like, 
stealing the ball off him, layups, this, that, and the next thing, and we won that game. So, you know, he had a couple of real good games. But, you know, then Mikey came in and boom, ACL went in the warm-up. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it's, it's chaotic, you know. That was one of the most chaotic seasons uh, that I've been a part of, for sure. I suppose finished that season with uh, point where Nate Britt, who's, I think he's, he's playing at a decent level in Europe, isn't he? So Yeah, I think I think he was in Germany. I think he still is in Germany. Uh, but Nate is Nate's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, I think. Uh, he was a great guy to be around. And he was only in with us for maybe like four months or something. Um, but, oh, man, he, he for me personally, he had a great impact. Uh, for me, he was a good guy. Um, and we had some other guys that season that were just, I mean, Errol Earl Brown Jr. Oh, is one of the the greatest, pe- hands down, one of the best people on this planet. That's what uh, you That's what you Yeah. He is one of the nicest guys. He he put up with a lot of stuff during the season, role changes and playing different positions than what he probably thought he was going to have to do. And he just took it all on the chin and, and, and was still a great guy, yeah. Yeah, because did he not have... Uh... He was on a short-term visa as well, so he had to go back and come. He did, yeah. He, yeah. He'd, uh, where did he leave? He left some, uh, Luxembourg or somewhere like that, and he just kind of appeared with us. And But, man, that season, with the amount of players, Jalen Phillips, Kofi, <laughs> um, oh, Don, like you said, Dante, like it just it never ended. Yeah, what was Jalen Phillips like? Obviously, he was just there a short time. He seemed a bit... He could have been, I think, a player who could have destroyed the BBL, but... Yeah, well, this is the thing that, that was a, that was the thing with a lot of the guys that Tony signed. You know, Jalen was he was a lazy guy. You know, a lot of times he was lazy. Uh, he wasn't like by any means, you know, a guy who was there for every day to go at it. You know, he wasn't like that. But as much as I could say that, he then had a game in Leicester where he had like thirty three points and won us a game. And he looked he looked easily like the best player in the league, like one of the best players I'd seen play. Just everything threes. Uh, post-ups, rebounds, yeah, everything. Um, but that wasn't consistent. Like, it just wasn't consistent from him whatsoever. Uh, and I think he I think he was happier, maybe. I think, can't remember where he went, Australia or something like that afterwards. He's playing Australia. I think he's playing, like, yeah. summer leagues or something. Some of the guys, like, summer league to what Lewis Thomas plays in. Yeah. And to be honest, I think that maybe that maybe a bit more... Um, relaxed lifestyle if you like suited them better to be honest with you yeah fair enough that was a yeah obviously then Tony left Darrow comes in um, how did that how did that change kind of impact the team do you think finishing the season uh, obviously you had yourself and it was five or six guys leave for the Commonwealth Games so then coming back into a changed team just again it's just difficult you know that the thing I'll the thing for me personally that I'll remember about that season is that um this is the night that uh, we played Newcastle at home and beat them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was the first time that we'd beaten Newcastle since my first season. Uh, and it meant a lot to me because I started, played quite a lot of the game, 20-something minutes, played well. Um, and then the first game when we got back from the Commonwealth Games was Newcastle again. And um, it was one of the ugliest games of basketball that any of us have ever played. But we had such a we had such a deep team by that time because they brought in Warren again. Warren was back well. well. We brought Will back, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jordan Clark back. And it's like we have so many players and, you know, sometimes having too many players is, is a detriment, you know, just finding minutes, getting people in rhythm. And I just don't feel like we really had much rhythm 
to to end that season. Um, we got into I think we got into the semis, didn't we? We beat, we beat Surrey in that first round. Went to London, I think. Uh, was it? Was it London in the semis? London Lions in the semis, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, again, after all that, you could say it just ended the same as many other season ends, you know, fourth yeah. place out in the semis, you know. Yeah. So finishing mm-hmm. off that season, or not in the middle of that season, obviously the Commonwealth Games, uh, some of that experience for you, uh, being involved in such that kind of mega event? Uh, well, the best experience, three weeks of my life, like no doubt about it. Uh, you, it's impossible to actually put it into words yeah. um, because it, it's three weeks of feeling like you're being treated like an elite athlete, you know. Food, food whenever you want, any time of the day, massage, beautiful facilities. Uh, and the crazy thing about it is, I'm sure everyone feels like this on their own, their own level, but, you know, I was there with my best pals. Like, I was literally there exactly. with my, my best friend. Yeah. You know, like, I was there with G and Ali, um, Kyle Jimenez, who, who you know, I, I'd only met that season and ended up being great friends with him. Fraser Malcolm, like, I was literally on three weeks in the nice, one of the nicest places in the world with my friends. And there's no doubt that it was some bizarre concoction of a miracle that we got Bevel to coach us. Um, and it is, and I don't think that experience is the same without him. There's no way that experience is the same without him. He is that he was the key to the way we played, handling, you know, the the bigger physical teams that we played. He was just a. If there was ever like a, a time where I said, right, okay, the world had my back on that one, it was it was him as the coach of the Commonwealth Games for sure. So what what did the Bevel bring to the table then compared to maybe other coaches you've worked with? Like what what was it that kind of stands him out? Uh, he had this really good, really amazing mix of um, your, I can be your best pal, but remember I'm your mother effing coach. You know what I mean? Like, I I will joke with you. I will, I will literally, I will literally make jokes with you about you know how attractive your sister is. That's me, unfortunately. Uh, I will make jokes about how attractive your sister is, but remember when it's game time, like we're not we're not messing around anymore. We're we're going to hit and we're going to hit to win a game, and that's him. You know. Um, and he did that with everyone. He he managed to to tap into everyone in different ways, whether that was with a subtle approach or whether that was with a in your face approach, whatever. Um, and he was so smart at kind of like how to how to not get pressured uh, in the game. You know, what are we going to do if they start pressuring us? What do we do if they sag off us? What do we do? And he seemed to have an answer for everything offensively. You know. Yeah, it just seemed that whole uh, competition, like watching every game, uh, England game, obviously, Gareth. I've never seen Gareth play like that. Uh, yeah. Maybe other one other game I can think of is a cup game, or trophy game against Edinburgh in the season mm-hmm. with Dan Gordon, where he scored like 30, 40 points or something to win that game. He just mm-hmm. was insane that whole tournament. Like, how, like, what, what, what was different in him in that England game? Or was it all just kind of chipping the shoulder kind of stuff? Well, I think, I think it's a lot to do with the style of game, it's, it wasn't one-on-one, you know, and the BBL, a lot of the time, for as good as the players are that we have in the BBL, it relates back to one-on-one a lot of the time. And that's why Gareth has, you know, a lot of people wonder how Gareth can have such success in Great Britain teams in the last kind of five or six yeah, years. Of it's a totally different game. It's spacing and it's making the right decision and, and being in the right spot. So 
not only did he get to do that with us in Australia, but he's also one of the actual best players on the team at that time. Uh, so it's a mixture of, you know, if we do need to play one-on-one, it's probably Gareth or Ali that's our best option, but we're not trying to do that anyway, you know? So he's getting plays called for him, but Bevel was good enough to know that it's not about him going one-on-one, it's about him coming off screens and being in certain positions on the court. So I think that's why he kind of just took off. Um, and a lot of the time, he's he's ready to take off if 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 it's there for him. If it's there for him, you know, he's ready for it. It's just sometimes, it doesn't always pan out that way in the BBL, you know. That's good. I suppose watching that when playing England, they still tried to play maybe the kind of BBL style of one-on-one and, and that kind of tournament didn't work for England. But yeah, what, mm-hmm. what was the kind of emotions like when you you know you'd kind of qualified first to the top of that kind of first group and knowing that you're going to have a knockout game was it against Nigeria? Yep. Uh, yeah, Nigeria was the fourth game. Well, I mean, we just, we wanted to, to be honest, a lot of people probably thought we were going to lose, but if that group, we knew we were beating England. Like, the game could have went either way because they had real talent on the team. And if it got down to a, you know, a possession game, it could have went either way at the end of the day because they were pretty closely matched teams. But me, Kieran, Ali, Gareth, um, a couple of other guys who'd been in the, the squad the last couple of years before that, we were there to beat England. Like, that was our only goal. Uh, and we've done it before. And right before the, the the game started or something, they said, oh, Scotland have never beat England in however many years. And we beat them at Meadow, Meadow Bank years before, but it wasn't an official game and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So they had a bit of a chip on our shoulder for sure. And, uh, and Bevel played into that so well because he had this, you know, the Scottish grandparents or, or Scottish dad, I think. And uh, he played into that so well. Uh, so when we... Won that game, we were like, all right, we're 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 finishing top of this group for sure. And there's no doubt about it now. Uh, and then as good as the England game was, kind of emotionally, personally, the Nigeria game was like the euphoric, like yeah. this is a great moment for everyone um, making it into that semi-final. So, yeah, it was an experience that will probably not be replicated, unfortunately. Yeah, but what a memory to have, to be a part yeah. of. Yeah. Basketball probably won't be involved again until it's in someone like Australia again, so which is a shame. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, uh, especially with Scotland teams, but uh, it's a good memory for sure. On to so into the next season, uh, Daryl obviously starts season as coach. Uh, it's probably the most settled, no roster changes. I don't think. Uh, I think no, there wasn't. And then obviously Vincent comes in midway through the season. Um, you have players like Kenny Carpenter, Bo, Bo Ziegler. They improved massively when Vincent came in. So we're all saying what uh, about uh, Rob Beveridge, what he brought, brought. But what did Vincent bring for that kind of end of the season kind of push? Oh, I could, I could, I could do a whole nother podcast on Vinny. <laughs> uh, just unbelievable man, the greatest man. Like he's such a good person. Um, but he brought everything that I said that kind of Bevel brought offensively. Vinny had defensively. Yeah. He had everything. Um, everything that uh, he he would do or no, sorry, everything that other team was going to do, yeah, and he'd tell you exactly how to stop it, exactly where you need to be, and you know he has his he has we could write a book with his quotes, but uh, <laughs> he has I watched I watched uh, I watched the games eight times. I watched our offense, our defense, then I watched other teams' offense and their defense, and then I watch it for my pleasure. So he's watching all these games and uh, he just knows everything. He knows all the uh, the ins and outs of the other team. 
Uh, and his offence was tough. Uh, the offence he had us running was tough um, on ourselves and on the other team. It was so many screens. We were running constantly off stagger screens and, you know, really long ball screens. Uh, and it really tired other teams out, I think. I think that was a lot of what his offence was designed was to tire other teams out. And then um, on that other end of the court, he just he never let us take a play off defensively. Um, even in practice, you know, if he didn't feel like the defence was there in practice, okay, you know, we weren't doing anything else that day other than running. That was all we were doing. And, uh, you know, I really, I'd love Finney. I would take him uh, to come back in the BBL in a heartbeat, you know. Um, but it's a tough, tough situation that kind of stopped him being here. But uh, he's just a, an incredible coach and an even better person if you if you know him and if he and if he kind of lets you get to know him properly he's a great person as well yeah and I suppose you've seen you're saying about the defense rocks over the kind of year and a half he was there I think had the best even maybe close to being the best defense in the league maybe Leicester still conceded the fewest mm -hmm. points but the amount of games that rocks were winning by 20 plus points keeping the opponents less than 60 under Vinny was uh, impressive yeah, yeah, and that was that was him. You know, he wanted six, sixty-five. I think was usually his number. If we yeah. if we keep them under sixty-five, we're going to win the game. And uh, he was right a lot of the time. You know, right. I think he came in. I'm trying to remember who we were on the league table when he came in, but we ended up finishing fifth that year. Um, yeah, I mean, we were we were. I think we were out of the playoffs when he came in. I think I so think. too. Mm -hmm. So on to then. Let's go on to the nineteen twenty season. Vince uh, Vincent's in for the full season. Um, we made two roster changes at the end of the cup campaign. I think we finished fifth in our cup group at six, which was obviously disappointing. That did include a win away to Newcastle, though. Uh, and that was obviously due to... We lost games that season due to visa issues, didn't we? Yeah, just just a, just an unfortunate circumstance. You know, a couple of guys didn't have the proper clearance or something. Uh, and that's probably due to... Uh, a GM change uh, close to the end of the last season and uh, it was just a muck-up, you know, that's all it was. So, you know, you, you can say it was disappointing and it was disappointing about the Cup, but the team wasn't ready yet, to be honest with you. Uh, the team wasn't ready and we needed we needed two guys and once we got them, that's when the team was ready. Yeah, so it was uh, Richards dropped down and Eli Pepper left as well and then in came uh, Dante Thorpe and Terrell Vincent. What did they add then? So what did they bring to the table compared to, or what did they complete the picture like? Just two really good role players. Like Dante was uh, an unbelievable athlete, um, defensively more than anything else. He could he could stop anyone, any guard, I think, in that league he could stop. Um, incredibly long arms, steals, fast breaks, but he had a great, attacking game as well, Dante. He could get in little flo floaters around the rim. He was excellent at uh, and then in terms of Terrell, he's a perfect kind of, he's a perfect four-man really because he could shoot the three and he had a bit of game in the post. Um, he could do he could do a bit of both and he wasn't, he had a lot of size on him to, to muscle guys out defensively as well. So he they were just two great role players that complemented our, our team really well. Yeah, I think that's what was just great about that uh, season it was just how you could have was maybe an eight-man rotation really and or maybe nine and everyone would come in and do a job everyone had knew what to do and it was just like it looked like a team quite cl closer to what Vincent wanted yeah I think I think Vinny had really um, really managed to put that team together the way he wanted to 
Um, you know, he had his guards, he had his shooters, he had his kind of couple of defensive guys and he had his bigs. Um, yeah, it was really well put together and the team itself was very close with each other. Um, we, obviously this is before, you know, COVID or whatever, but the guys were, were out, they were happy, they were uh, spending a lot of time together. So yeah, it was a good, it was a good team that year. And I suppose Bobby Vincent built into that season, you kept your, yourself, G, Ali, and then Greg Pryor as well. Um, what was Greg? What did you? What could you learn from Greg as a point guard? Greg had a, a very good work ethic, um, you know, and it's a work ethic that you know I would, maybe I had when I was early twenties, but he's managed to prolong that, you know, because he's in he's in the gym, he's shooting every day, he's really pushing himself. He's not even just shooting; he's you know practicing his dribbling, he's you know moving around the court and the gym. Like Greg did a lot of stuff that uh, you would expect from kind of like a rookie, but he was still going three three or four years in into his career. So I think work ethic is something that Greg has in, in a big, big, big way. Yeah. And I suppose it's just such a typical uh, Rocks thing to be a uh, top of the league when a, a global pandemic hits and stops us from running. It's just a typical Rocks thing. Um, yeah. So when that kind of happened, obviously the whole disappointment of all that, um, COVID obviously is still around. So how was that initial kind of lockdown period for you uh, off the court? Um. No, oh, it was it was it was difficult, you know, because like you say, we oh we were so close, you know, and uh, the guy who made it worse, I've told him this before, is Mark Woods. He made it worse uh, before that weekend started. He'd said something, he tweeted something about winning percentage, huh? uh, and I think we as a team kind of latched onto that. We're like, right, we win these two game games, we've got the winning percentage. If the BBL decide to award a league winner, it's us. And and we went down that last weekend of the season and went crazy trying to get those two wins and we got them. Was that Bristol away and who else? Bristol and Plymouth. Aye. Yeah, and uh, got them both. And uh, in, in the end, you know, in the end, it didn't matter. But uh, it really, it was really, really tough because we knew we were close. And I guess at the time, a couple of people were like, "Oh, you know, the league might come back," but a couple of people who were a bit more realistic were like, "Nah, that's it. You know, it's done." Um, so. I mean, I had to get a job. I got a job delivering parcels for Hermes, um, which, you know, I actually ended up having a great time doing, to be honest with you. Um, made, if not more money than playing for the Rocks, but, um, <laughs> yeah, which I'm happy to say. But um, that was, it was actually quite a, a fun time for me, to be honest, you know, because I'd had an ankle injury in kind of January time. And to be honest, it wasn't really recovered. I'm still not certain it's totally okay just now, but... Uh, I just had some time off to, to really sit in and not do much and go out, do my work in the morning and come back and relax. Nice one. So let's go back to that season. Uh, or let's go back to Tom Billy Avinson as a coach. Um, in my opinion, he transformed Ali as a player. Um, and what did what did you see change in Ali under uh, Levandi? Um, I think we got to utilise Ali as, as, a, as all his assets, if you like, because... Uh, when Daryl was there, it's Daryl. It was real easy to just say, right, we're going to run this play. We're giving Ali the ball in the post, and we're going to let him go to work, uh, which is great, you know, because that's what that's where he kind of made his what's the phrase that his uh, bread was buttered or whatever the phrase is, you know. Um, but he's actually got a lot more to his game. He's a very good passer. Uh, he can read plays very well, and he when he's when he's in a season and when he's locked in, his mid range game is, is is exceptional as well. Um, and I think Vincent was able to kind of pair him with Max, yeah. where that 
you know, if Ali's mid-range shot has fallen, that's great because Max is down there doing the dirty work down low. If it's not, you know, we can bring out Terrell and he can move to the four and then Ali can play in that that bigger role. So I think we just got to utilise all of Ali's strengths compared to maybe just throwing him the ball in the post and, and want him to get a basket, you know. So let's, let's touch on a wee bit of this season uh, quickly then. So obviously this is Kelly the Great Unknown. You're a named captain. Uh, how do you feel your role has changed this season? And how what have you kind of done to help the guys kind of settle in then? Um, you know, I think I think I've learned a lot from Gareth um, because definitely when the season starts, it's a, such a difficult one. I don't even feel like I've done the the job the way I wanted to do it because usually it's a lot to do with you know this is a good place to eat or we're going to go out and we're going to do this together. Maybe stay away from this part of Glasgow. It's not the best place to be, but uh, you know just little things like that to help guys get a bit more acclim you know acclimatized. But, you know, I can't do that. <laughs> Literally, I'm just saying, you know, you're going to come to practice, you're going to go home and that's it. We're not going to meet up as a team outside and, and go do something. We're not going to go eat at a restaurant or, or what other stuff have we done in the past? We've went go-karting in the past. Stuff that's dumb stuff, you know, and can't do any of that. So, you know, I don't feel like I've actually done it the way it should have been done. Yeah. Um, but the way everything's panned out, certainly with kind of league league performance and stuff like that just trying to keep everyone together um, trying to see the positives and you know anyone I did a couple of spoke to a couple of people at the start of the season it was never going to be easy like we don't have the the budget the, the roster the depth to compete uh, and I you know I was pretty open and honest about that at the start of the season I'm sure a couple of people were as well but it's not about you know how many games you lose it's about the manner of manner of how you're losing them and a couple of times we've we fell way short of the the effort and the ability that we could have shown in these games a couple of times we've, we've done real well you know London game away we didn't back yeah. down the whole game we didn't back down the whole game guys played well in that London game uh, you know Newcastle at home I thought we were with them for quite a lot of the game yeah. uh, beating Sheffield holding them to like you know 55 points or whatever it was like we've had and then Sheffield being London last night, for example. Like, yeah, like we've we've had these rare performances where it's came together. But we what we've done a lot is we've had ten minutes in every game where it's came together, and then the other thirty it's not, you know, which is which is really a killer. And um, it's the first season I've had where the win loss record is so overwhelmingly and one sided, uh, even in that you know third season we were talking about we were I think we finished ninth we were right on the, the edge of the playoffs uh, but you know this is a big disparity and it's not something that I'm used to dealing with but just trying to keep people together and trying to find new ways to, to motivate or new new you can't give the same speech every time but you can certainly try and try and find ways to make it sound better you know yeah and so on that how do you feel uh, Gareth's adapting into being coach or player cultural? How, and then how what are you trying to do to help him maybe settle into that as well? Um, yeah, I'm sure he'd say he'd find it difficult. Um, especially, again, it comes down to everything that happened and the way the team's made up because say what you want, he's still second, third best player on that team for sure. We need him on the court. If we're going to win games, we need him on the court. And that's, I'm, I'm sure that he would prefer to to be a coach player, if you know what I mean. You know that kind of coach takes precedent. But uh, right now, 
for us to have any kind of success, it needs to be play. He needs to be playing. Um, so I'm sure he's found it tough, and I'm sure he wants to do a bit more coaching, especially in games. You know, a lot of his coaching has to be done through the week. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's going to it'll definitely get better. You know, for sure. Um, I suppose. And, when you go, sorry. No, no. As for me, I just try and keep him level-headed. You know, I know him pretty well. Uh, I know him about as, as well as anyone, I think. Uh, so I try and keep him level-headed. And But at the same time, I, I think it's important that a lot of these guys, you know, they do get a bit of a, a bollock in it sometimes. You know, you need that you need that boot up your arse sometimes. But, you know, there's sometimes there's a, a good time and a bad time. You know, I just try and keep him on course with that. Yeah. And I suppose... Probably the best year to have a rookie coach in dealing with all the crap that's kind of going on. That kind of, I don't know, does it set a grounding? I suppose there's no easy time to come in and change coach or become a player coach, but if there is a time, it's maybe now. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, if there's one guy, I mean, I'd, I'd put myself in this list somewhere, but if there's one guy who has put his life through the ringer for the Rocks, it's, Glasgow, it's uh, Gareth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, he's he's sacrificed a lot. He's done a lot. I mean, you know, not not trying to claim he's done it for free. Like obviously, there's money involved, but uh, you know, he's done a lot. He's done way more than his his share for the rocks. And uh, this is just another one. This is just another year where he's it's not it's gone not the way speed. he wanted. Yeah, you know, it's not gone the way he wanted, um, and it's difficult. But uh, you know, he'll 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 definitely he'll definitely sort it out. That's one thing I have no doubt about. He's going to sort it out one way or the other. So let's, let's kind of uh, come to kind of a wee bit of a close. So in your 10 years or so of the Rocks, there's been four kind of final appearances. Uh, so why do you think we've not won another piece of silverware? Oh, to be honest, it's we've always played the good team, you know. We've always, and that's, you know, a bit of an excuse, whatever. You know, why can't we be the good team, I guess. But at the end of the day, it's not like we've had, you know, the good run in the final, you know. We've we played Worcester, who that year had a, an incredible team, Zaire Taylor, Will, Will Creekmore, um, those guys. And then other times it's been Newcastle and London, you know, and, and they're perennial, perennial at the top. So it's, it, I'd really like it to, to happen in my career. You know, I'd feel really annoyed if it didn't. Um, but you're always going to have to beat a top dog at, at some point. Um, and that's just the way it is. We've not beat them yet. And, uh, you know, as much as uh, he haunts my dreams, but he's Fletcher is one hell of a player, you know, and he's I took us out of, he's took us out of two of them, you know, I think it's two, uh, and you know Justin and Justin and all these guys, these are just good players, you know, and uh, good good players on good teams, uh, and it's just not happened for us, yeah. unfortunately, you know. Hopefully, I suppose from as a fan and somebody's been involved in the organisation, there's probably no two better guys that probably deserve to win something under the Rocks banner and you and Gareth. So hopefully in the next year or so that can happen and yeah, yeah. get and I mean, name on a trophy. Yeah, I mean the thing is you can say that, you know, it's it's great to have gotten there, but if you didn't but at the end of the day, you want to be there. You know, you want to be in that moment. Those four final games, I still remember them, good or bad, you know, you want to be there and have that chance. So hopefully we get we get another one. Yeah. So Final two kind of questions for you, Johnny. I want you to tell me the best player you've ever played with and the best player you think you've ever faced off against. I'm going to guess it's going to be Ramon after what you've just said, but who's the best player you've played with? Um, with the Rocks, um, certainly, you know, whether it was just because I was young, Michael Green to me was just a 
standout player who could do everything. And not only could he do everything, he was mentally just so strong. Uh, he wanted to win all the time and he wasn't scared to, to show that. Uh, Donald certainly up there. Um, so, yeah, I would say those two guys, uh, in terms of all-round basketball, Gareth, I think, is, is a staple for all-round just uh, being able to be a basketball player. I think he's pretty on the ball, defence, offence, shooting, uh, leadership, everything. I think he's pretty, pretty there. Um, yeah, in my years in the, against other teams, there's only one guy as Fletcher. Like he's, I've played against him. I don't know how many times, but he's, he is a nightmare. You know, he's just <laughs> a nightmare. Um, and uh, I'll always remember like so many stories with the rocks. But I'll always remember um, there was a game at Christmas, and uh, a couple of guys. I think Ali had been in Germany or something like that. So he came back to watch the game, and then my dad was sitting next to Ali and whatever. And I come on the court. I think it might be the year Taylor was here. And um, I come on the court, end of the first quarter or whatever. First play, Fletcher. I literally just blink. And the next thing you know, Fletcher's at the left. I'm like, oh, that's not good. That doesn't look good. And the next play, like, or maybe, maybe on the next play, two plays later, he's on the baseline. I'm like, right, right, right. Just keep him on his right hand. Keep him on his right What's hand. I, I managed to keep him on his right hand, but he still shouldered past me in a second and he's dumped the ball off to Darius and it's a dunk and right on Sterling's head and I'm like oh this is a disaster right here and uh, after the game my dad's like he's going to have to play a bit better defence and that's like, ah, I know I know <laughs> uh, and then he's like three, three, now, isn't he? so yeah and then like three months later we were down in Newcastle and uh, I managed to guess perfectly on one of one of plays boom took a charge against them uh, managed to you know, get him to fumble the ball when the next play they called a travel and then Sterling started calling me the Fletcher stopper I was like oh that's the worst thing that could happen there's no chance but uh, no, and, uh, so many like you just when he's kind of like the sole focus there's so many things that come into your head like I remember a cup, one of the cup finals I stopped his left hand stopped his right hand had two hands up on him and he switched the ball to his right hand mid-air in the shot and made it and he, he said, you can't guard me. I said, I know that, Fletcher. Like, I know. Like, you don't need to. <laughs> I know. I'm trying. But uh, So, yeah. No, Andy's a good guy. You know, certainly in the last couple of years uh, since he came back, uh, he's, we speak to each other during the games. He's a good guy as well. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's Fletcher. But there's other guys. I mean, Crandell this year is an absolute. Oh, he's ridiculous. Uh, Justin, definitely. When Justin came back, it was a big, like, Oh well, Justin can you know he can shoot. You can't leave him open for one second. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of guys, but for me, just in terms of longevity over the career, it's Fletcher. Yeah. So final one then. Uh, I got G to name his uh, top five or starting five. Uh, what's your kind of all-time rock starting five that you played with? That I've played with, um, I would probably definitely have uh, Michael Green for sure. Uh, to be honest, it would probably be Michael Green. G, um, Ali, uh, I'd probably have Kieran in there, and point guard, it's a tough one, it's a real tough one, uh, I'd probably, in my career, I'd have to put it as EJ, even though he was kind of like, at the end of his career, if you like, but he, I think he, he just knew how to keep a team together, 
uh, he kept the team together and he and you had to respect every, every everywhere on the court, you know. So that'd probably be about my five there, yeah. Three Scottish guys in it, I might be being a bit biased. Nice. Well, Johnny, perfect. Thanks very much for your your time this afternoon. That was a uh, good fun. Hopefully that you didn't mind doing that for me. And uh, yeah, hopefully good luck for the rest of the season. And to everyone listening, thanks very much for joining us on the Rock Song Podcast. Perfect. Thanks, Grant. That was great.